Well, as Brian said, we're going to do things a little different. Normally, we've responded to a message or something by taking the Lord's Supper together. But as part of our worship in in song and in music today, we felt like this would be a great way to engage with the Lord because He instituted, you know, the the remembrance of His body that's broken and His blood that was shed that we experience that and we remember the gospel and remember the good news that Jesus overcame the enemies of sin, death, and the evil one by his submission to death on a cross, but to three days later rise again. And then he went back to the Father and he's coming back one day. And in the meantime, as Brian was saying, we're part of this harvest that he wants. Jesus said to pray for, to the Lord of the harvest for more people to go work the harvest. But as you take communion this, this morning, remember what Jesus did for you. If you doubt that God loves you, you look to the cross. For God so loved you, he gave his one and only son. Father, as we approach the communion table, We do so in humility and gratefulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, There's a few little communion tables in the back, and there's two up front. If you want to make your way, grab the, the elements, the juice and the bread, and then go back to your seat, and we'll take it together as a family. Take this heart, Lord. 
can see the love in your eyes Laying yourself down Raising up the broken to The Apostle Paul recounts the Lord's Supper on the night that he was betrayed. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. He goes on and he says, after supper, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup. May God grant each one of us a greater awareness of the good news of Jesus Christ. May we live in his grace, in his power, his authority, his joy, his peace, his life, his very life. May we have our minds renewed and our spirits filled fresh and new. Lord, as we thank you for what you did for us in your sacrifice, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning again, everybody. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, whether you know online or in person, my name is Scott. I have the privileged responsibility to pastor here at Novation as well as teach God's word this morning. Um, let's pray, Lord. As we open your word, we want to be taught 
how to be better followers of you, Lord Jesus. We embrace that. We desire it. Lord, we know that we're imperfect, but you're perfect. But we also trust that you are making us like you, Jesus, and how we think, act, and speak. And that's been my prayer all week. Lord, that through me, this broken vessel, you would be powerful and strong through the Spirit in people's lives so that we walk out of here filled with peace and joy and a desire to be used by you in a lost and broken, broken world. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're new with us, we as a church family have been reading through the Bible cover to cover, and we started the Sunday after um, Easter. And how many know when you go through the Old Testament, you go through some strange stuff? Like, we've, we've not shied away from trying to find the interpretation. What does this mean? How does it apply to us today? And um, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey. And I know that sometimes you're in the Old Testament and you get worn out just like, yeah, where's Jesus? <laughs> and that's what we've been trying to do on our messages on Sunday is how does Jesus fit in these things that we're seeing? How, because he would have read the Hebrew Bible from Genesis to Malachi. That was his Bible. He was familiar with all this. How would he interpret the things that we're seeing and reading and all the stories? But when you read through the Old Testament, there's some violence. Hold off on that just for a second. Can you, there you go. Just a second. Um, that was a secret between her and I. Um, you read through these stories and there's violence and sex and scandal. And it's like, what in the world? And I was thinking about, you know, children's Bibles and how when you read a children's Bible, like this is today, we're looking at the story of Daniel and we're going to take this week and next week in Daniel, but you, you know, you're trying to give this deep meaning, <laughs> scary, violent, lion's den, fiery furnace, and somehow clean it up, right, in a way that a child can understand that. But you really can't clean it up, especially you read that to your children when they're young, and they get older, and they read it for themselves in the Bible. They're like, hey, dad, you like held out a lot on this. Like what in the world? I used to do that, read the my kids, the Chronicles of Narnia. And if there was something violent or whatever that I didn't think was age appropriate, I'd just skip over it. When they got older, they started reading the books for themselves. And they were like, you skipped a lot, Dad. <laughs> Let's be honest. But look at this little picture here. That's, those are puppies, not lions, right? And here's Daniel in the lion's den, and he's doing okay. And the little pup, I don't think that's what happened, you know? <laughs> But when we look at these stories, we're trying to understand why are they there. And we're in a series called Longing for Home, where we're in the, the portion of the Old Testament. Um, you can take down the puppies. We're in the portion where we're, the children of Israel had been taken captive by the Babylonian Empire and brought to Babylon, the majority of, of the Jews were in captivity. They were in, enslaved. And we're looking at like 
Daniel today. We looked at Jeremiah, Lamentations, uh, Ezekiel's in that group, Esther, the story of Esther. That all took place while they were in captivity in Babylon. Here's what I want you to get this morning. Daniel was in Babylon, but he wasn't of Babylon. He was in Babylon, but he wasn't of Babylon. Daniel, the book of Daniel is a series of of tests for Daniel and for a couple kings that we see in here, several kings. And, And these testing is a theme that you see throughout the Bible go all the way to the beginning. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of this tree, you can have anything else. Test failed, right? And you see that woven in and throughout to get to the point of Jesus where he was tested. But he passed all the tests that humanity, Israel, Adam and Eve, you know, never passed on our behalf. And I'm grateful for that. So I've titled the message, How Should We Live in Babylon? Babylon, at first Peter, the apostle Peter tells in his letter to the church, he says, your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings. And so does my son, Mark, greet each other with a kiss of love. Babylon, Babylon didn't exist anymore. It was no longer an empire. It becomes a metaphor. Babylon in the New Testament is a metaphor for opposition to the rule of the kingdom of God. That's what Babylon, when you see that in like the book of Revelation, or you see it in, uh, you know, uh, what Peter's saying here, it's this opposition to the rule and reign of God's kingdom. And so then the word world, when we see the word world, we only have one word for it. But in in Greek, there's several different words and meanings. The word world in the New Testament refers to the earth and people, but often is used as a similar metaphor of a corrupted system of religion, unjust politics, power, and greed. So you can get confused when you don't know which world are we talking about here. In John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He's talking about people. God so loved the people of this world that he created, he gave his one and only son. But the same apostle, John, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, Don't love the world or the things of the world. He's not talking about people. He's talking about the system You know, interchangeably between the word world or Babylon, this is an opposition to the way of Jesus. It's in opposition to the way of Christ, which is self-sacrificing, self-denial, serving. It's upside down to the ways of the world in the kingdom of Jesus. And that's what I want us to understand this morning. And in Jesus' prayer in John 17, he's, he's praying to the Father. He just finishes teaching the disciples uh, all the things that he taught. He washed their feet, and then he begins to pray. In a portion of it, he prays, and he actually included you and I in his prayer. Check this out. Father, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. 
teach them your word, which is truth. Just as, I, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Powerful stuff. I mean, know when Jesus prays something, it gets answered. It's important to remember you were on his mind. And in using this terminology that they're in the world, but they're not of the world. Daniel was in Babylon, but he wasn't of Babylon. All right. We got to catch this discipleship message that's, that's going to come from the book of Daniel because we're going to see it this morning. In John chapter 18, when Jesus is before Pilate, Pilate asks him, are you a king? He says, I am, but my kingdom is not of this world. That's important. Jesus' kingdom is not the systems of this world, but he is transforming the world one life at a time, one family at a time, through the good news of Jesus and what he's done. And we get to participate that as a church, as a family. We're part of it. And he's doing it. He's going to continue to do it until everybody's heard the good news. So, how should we live in the world or Babylon as we're going to look at it from Daniel's perspective? Because it's hard sometimes for the church because we've made the mistake sometimes of who's in and who's out. And we've, we've reject culture instead of influence culture. And then the other mistake we can make, though, is blend into the culture and just do what the world does. The world system of, of greed and injustice and, and uh, selfishness versus the kingdom of Jesus, which is selflessness and justice. Important. Okay, first thing I would say this as we kind of unpack Daniel, is do not be discipled by Babylon. Be discipled by Jesus. Be discipled by Jesus. A disciple is a learner. It's somebody, you're all, we are all learning how to live life from someone or something. We're a disciple, so to speak. I want to be discipled by Jesus, the one who understands life, who created life, who created us. In Daniel chapter 1, it starts out by saying that as the, the chief officials asked to bring some of the, the fine young Hebrew men that were brought from Israel into captivity and look for the best, look for the ones that are from the royal family, the line of David. Let's, let's get these guys, the best of the best, these potential Harvard kids or whatever, and let's, let's disciple them in the way of Babylon. And it says that uh, find the good-looking ones, the intelligent ones, and so forth. And then the king appoints for them to have the choice foods of Babylon. This is Daniel and the boys' first real test that they're going to undergo. And God gave favor for Daniel with the commander, 
And he says, it says that David, Daniel, not David, made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission that he might not do that. He said, you, you know the story. Bring, me, bring us some vegetables in, a, in water for 10 days and see if our countenance doesn't look better than these other guys that are eating the choice foods that are being discipled in the ways of Babylon. And he says, please test your servants. And the guy says, man, you're going to look sickly. You're not going to look well. And Daniel says, give us a chance here. And after 10 days, their appearance was stronger than the others. And, and this guy was, was floored. The official was floored at, at Daniel's countenance because he refused to be discipled by Babylon. He was going to stay in covenant with the God of Israel. Even though he's in Babylon, he's not going to be of Babylon. Keep, keep fastening that in your mind. Well, Jesus says this in Luke 6. He says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. To become like Jesus is, is to learn how to think, act, and speak like him. And how many know the way of Jesus is countercultural, right? It butts up in that. We're, we're told to get ahead, you know, stomp on people, you know, do, get yours while you can. That's the mentality of the world where Jesus is like, no, serve. Learn to be selfless and to deny yourself. That's what being a disciple of Jesus means. I'm learning how to live from him, from his perspective. And let's face some facts. There's a lot of influences that are trying to disciple us in the way of the world. It could be social media. It could be all kinds of things. Um, music. And I'm not anti anything when it comes to that. I, I don't just listen to Christian music. Let me break it to you on that. And we watch movies. And, and, but I, I'm looking to find, well, what, what will Jesus say in the middle of this? And in, in, in learning how to, to live from him and interpret life and interpret things from his perspective because the evil one knows how to sow seeds in a way that you don't even realize he's sowing a seed then all of a sudden we're acting like babylon rather than you know god's children second thing if we're going to live in this world but not be of it is do not compromise your allegiance to god don't compromise in uh these next two tests that happen in Daniel in chapter 3 and 6. So, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar creates um, this image that he wants all the people to bow down to. When you hear the music, bow down and worship this idol. And what's the whole deal in the Old Testament over and over and over is... God would tell the children of Israel, listen, don't worship other gods. Don't fall into the idolatry of the foreign nations. Stick with me. Trust me. And how many times over and over and over did they find themselves, you know, struggling with, with idolatry? And with Daniel, they, when this appeal to bow down happened, he didn't do it. He and the boys didn't, didn't bow down. And this really got back to Nebuchadnezzar, and he got upset. 
and he um, brings them a chance to bow down before the idol. And he says, if you don't do this, you're going to get thrown into the, the fires, the, the, the furnace. And he, they don't do it. He gets angry. He throws them in. And you, if you know the story, they don't, God keeps them. They, they don't burn up in the flames. And he actually says, You're, you guys are doing good. And there's another in the fire. There's this fourth man in there. And most scholars believe that's like a theophany of, of a appearance of Jesus in the Old, Old Testament, so to speak. And so he, he passes that test. He doesn't compromise his allegiance. And then in chapter 6, Nebuchadnezzar's son is now king. And he hears that Daniel and his friends are praying to the God of Israel several times a day. He tells them, you need to stop. And they say, no, we're going to keep our allegiance. We're going to keep our covenant with God. And they keep praying. Well, he takes them, he throws them in the lion's den, and they survive. God, God honored that because they didn't compromise their allegiance. Now, this can get off pretty quick when we're, when we're talking like this and sound like we're against the world. We're not against anything. We are for the gospel. We are for love. We are for seeing people find real life in Jesus. If that makes us countercultural, then so be it. But we don't want to ever get into, as a church or the church, into cultural wars with people. We shouldn't expect people who don't follow Jesus to act like they do. That, that's, that's a mistake that we make often. We, I know I do. I'll be honest with you. But if you, I know who I was when I wasn't following Jesus, <laughs> and, and probably you do too. So we shouldn't turn any of this, our allegiance to God, into a culture war against the world. We're here to love and serve the world. We're this third way of not being against it or blending in. We're, we're, a, we're a third way of looking at this. Sometimes we, we forget what persecution really is. Daniel was being persecuted with his very life, both in the fiery furnace and in the lion's den. And you know, we have brothers and sisters in the world right now that are being persecuted because they follow Jesus, because they name the name of Jesus. And they're, they're beaten, they're socially and economically attacked and persecuted because they follow Jesus. I, I, I don't get that. I've never experienced that. I think sometimes American Christians, we think because... Starbucks doesn't say happy, uh, Merry Christmas, but happy holidays, that that's somehow persecution. That's nothing. And when we read the stories of the early church, it was all about persecution from both Rome and the religious leaders. In uh, the New Testament, you got uh, the, the apostles are preaching the gospel and they're telling everybody they can about the resurrection of Jesus and the Jew, uh, religious folks who rejected Jesus said, hey, if you don't stop preaching this name of Jesus this other way, and we're going to hurt you. You're going to get punished. You're going to get the rod. And Peter and John reply, they say, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. Thirdly, to be in the world and not of the world, or like Daniel's in Babylon but not of Babylon, do make the most of opportunities to be used by God. Daniel did, did that. He used his gift of interpreting dreams 
in, before the kings and found favor and was actually a blessing. These kings, every time Daniel would interpret their dreams, they were given an opportunity to repent. They were given an opportunity to be right with the true and living God. And Nebuchadnezzar almost got it, but his son definitely didn't get it. And he got, they both were prideful. And he, God had, through Daniel's interpretation, told them what was going to happen if they continued to persecute the, the Jews the way that they did. So he made the most of his opportunities. You guys, you're gifted by God. Whether you realize it or not, he's given you talents. He's given you imparted spiritual gifts to you. He's imparted passions to you that give you opportunities, Shasta, to go on a medical mission trip and use your training to be a blessing to a part of the world that needs blessing. There are opportunities to be a blessing around us every day. Am I going to open my eyes to see it? Am I going to be too focused on me or am I going to, you know, trust God for these opportunities? The Apostle Paul to the Colossian church says this. I love this verse. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And then Peter He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. No one's ever been argued into the kingdom of God. And sometimes we get in debates about politics or theology or this or that, and we're arguing, and it becomes Charlie Brown's parents to the person we're trying to convince so we don't argue, we don't need to argue with people. He says, listen, when somebody asks you, hey, you just went through a crisis, but I see joy, I see peace. Well, let me tell you about the reason for the hope that I have. It's Jesus and eternal life, and it goes beyond just this world. Um, I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe you do. There's an election Tuesday. You guys aware of that? Um, man, never seen a more divided people. I mean, it's terrible. And I, the news feeds it left and right. And it's in the enemy is just, Hey, as long as people can be bickering and can't stand one another, then, then he's, he's doing his job because his whole job is to accuse God before people, to accuse us before God and to accuse one another. He's a slanderer. It's the Greek word is diablos for devil, which literally means slander. The apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, he said, don't let the women of the church diablos one another, slander one another. It's the same word. It's interchangeable with devil and slander. I don't want to be the devil's mouthpiece or puppet in, in slander or gossip someone. So Guard your hearts on that when it comes to the tension that may go against your, your ideology or your political views or whatever. Just be careful that your heart is in the right place and that it's in a posture humbled before the Father. Because that's when we'll make a difference. We miss out when we're, we get too busy arguing with people. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. He says, 
First of all, then, I urge that prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. Not some, but all. Even those that disagree with you or don't think like you do. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and, co- and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'll be glad when the election's over, though. Who's sick of the texts and the flyers in your mail? Um, lastly, to be in the world and not of the world, or to be in Babylon and not of Babylon, is do not put your ultimate hope in human systems. Hope, we can hope in the wrong things. Don't put your hope in something that can change or be taken away from you. Our hope is in a person, Jesus, who has promised that we have eternal life in him, that we can have his peace in spite of chaos, we can have his joy in the midst of sorrow. Those can't be taken away. That's what our hope is in. We have this expectation that God is going to sort it all out in the end. We let him do that. So don't put your ultimate hope in human systems, human uh, politics, human governments, uh, your political party. Don't let your ideology, which is your understanding or views of, of politics and social things, determine your theology, what you believe about God or how you interpret the scripture. Let Jesus shape your ideology. He is the true word of God. Look at his life and what he taught and then work backwards from that. And it's okay to have convictions. It's okay. Um, Because I think we have to be careful when we read the Bible. I got Kristen shared this with me this week. It was so helpful that when we read the Bible, we got to be careful that we're not reading it as Americans in the year 2022. And we live in a society where you get to take part in government, so to speak. You get to vote. You can run for your school board. You can run for office. You can try to make a change. That's not what's going on in 99% of the stories that we read about in the Bible where people made a difference. They were enslaved. There was monarchies that, that in empires and emperors that, that were reading the context of these stories. If I don't read it with that context, then I can Americanize it and I butcher the thing. And we don't want that. We want to say, what, what did it mean to the audience then What did it mean to the writer and what does it mean for us now? We don't want to just quote Bible verses at people. What does the, what's behind a Bible verse? How do we, how does it apply for us? So it's an important discipleship thing. We can put our hope in the American way. And you know what? I'm glad I live in America and I'm, I'm proud of that, but it's not my hope. It can't be your hope, a government Regardless of what side of the aisle you vote on or believe on, that's not, can't be your hope because things change. Governments change. Nations change over periods of time. So it can't be our ultimate hope. When I was thinking about this, we're going to go back into a, a song 
But I want you to see this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays to, uh, in his, the book, the letter to the Ephesians. And I'm going to pray it in a way that you can pray it as a prayer over yourself, over your family, over the church, that you're praying Paul's prayers. And if you don't know how to pray or what to pray, that's a great thing. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray what, what Paul prays. And I'm going to pray it right now for us. We have not stopped thanking God for you. We pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might grow in our knowledge of God. We pray that our hearts will be flooded with light so that we can understand the confident hope that the Father has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. We also pray, Father, that you would give understanding of the incredible greatness of who you are, your power for us who believe in you. That's the same power that you raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor in your right hand, Father, in the heavenly realms. And we know, Father, that he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Father, you have put all things under the authority of your son, Jesus Christ, and you have made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I want to encourage you to, you know, it's, it's right on the app. It's all the notes that are there. Pray that this week. As we don't know what's going to unfold on Tuesday, you know what? It's not going to change Jesus. It's not going to change the, the gospel. We've got to keep that in, in mind. So would you stand? We're going to sing a song, and it's called Another in the Fire. But it's not just about Daniel in, in his friends in, in the, the fiery furnace. It's about when you go through trials, you go through difficulties, you go through stuff, man, you can remember that he's with you and that he's, he's walking with you. So take, take this next couple minutes as we sing this song, meditate on the words, and then we'll close with prayer. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters Holding back the sea And 
you by how we trust you that you're with us you're leading and guiding us help us to just walk with you Jesus with humble open hearts to you and to your way Lord give us courageous faith and Lord just fasten down that hope that we have in our hearts because of you Jesus Lord we want to love the people of this world Lord, those who don't think like us or believe like us, Lord, we want to be a blessing and, and just be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, in our workplace, in our homes, our neighborhoods. Holy Spirit, we thank you for a fresh infilling of your presence and who you are. I thank you for your goodness to us, Father. You are a good, good Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.